Our first reading is from Genesis chapter 15, where God enters into a covenant with Abraham. The second reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians chapter 3, where Christ will change our broken bodies to be like his, ready for our homeland in heaven. And Luke gives us a foretaste of this in chapter 9, verses 28 to 36. Our hymn is from Mike Anderson, Sing It in the Valleys, and we'll have our second mindfulness meditation. But let's begin with Father James McSweeney and his prayer for the Ukraine. Our world is shocked and horrified by the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. We all hoped and prayed it wouldn't happen. But Thursday, February 24th became a black and dark day for the people of Ukraine. Pope Francis has asked for prayers to preserve our world from what he calls the madness of war. We are united in our thoughts and prayers for the people of Ukraine. Some might say, what's the point, as the war has already started. But our prayers for the people of Ukraine is in some small way our way of saying, we are thinking of you, praying for you, and with you during these very difficult and dark days. opening lines of the St. Francis Peace Prayer seem most appropriate. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. And where there is darkness, light. We will continue our prayers for peace in the days ahead. We will continue to pray for the people of Ukraine. We will continue to believe in hope, love and peace. Even when it seems there is nothing we can do, there is great strength, incredible strength when the combinations of prayer, love, solidarity, hope and peace join together. And finally, it is important that the people of Ukraine know we are totally with them. May God bless them all. May God bless us all. Amen.
February 1963, almost 60 years ago, the Beatles had their first number one hit with Please Please Me. From then on, they exploded onto the world scene with thousands of fans screaming for them in a frenzy of Beatlemania. However, they had been together for many years with the period 1959 to 62 becoming what we think of as their formative time. They were only recognised in a small area by relatively few fans and played in small venues in Hamburg or Page Moss or St Helens on at the Plaza. Suppose you were asked to write a detailed book about those hidden years. That is what Luke had to do with his gospel. There'd been a 60 year stretch almost between the time of Jesus' death and resurrection and the time Luke started to write in earnest. Today's events must have been general knowledge becoming an important part of the oral tradition between the early Christians. The events had been mulled over, shared, analysed and passed on by word of mouth over and over again. I can remember watching some programmes about the early years of the Beatles and they pick on people like Pete Best and he will talk about his memories very well. Um, it's a different viewpoint if you talk to Ringo or if you want something else you might look at some of the family members like Paul McCartney's brother what was his view of how things went on. Eventually you can get all these oral pieces of information and write them down but then you have to think well the person writing it down are they putting their own slant on it as well by the time Luke describes the event of the transfiguration to his non-Jewish Christians it needed to be relevant to them they needed to know that Jesus was the one to listen to and they didn't have to understand all of the Hebrew scriptures and follow Moses and the prophets as well. They didn't need to know everybody's points of view as long as they were getting more or less the full story and that's what we have in Luke. The, end, the events that we're talking about begins with the same sleepy dozy three who went to pray with Jesus in the agony in the garden in Gethsemane. It's as though whenever Jesus asks them to pray, they go along half-heartedly, not prepared for what will happen. Um, the narrative happens on sacred ground. That's what the mountains represent for biblical events. Both Moses and Elijah had a vision of God on a mountain. In fact, Mount Sinai and Mount Horeb are thought to be the same place. The idea of, of going there to pray is already setting up expectations that the focus will be on God and that something of the unusual might occur. Moses, the lawgiver, came back with the commandments and Elijah, the prophet, went off in a blazing chariot of fire. Luke now sets up the atmosphere in which the event will take place in today's gospel. If you ever watch 
Um, Steven Spielberg at work, you'll know he uses fogs and darkness and beams of light to make a situation he is filming acquire an air of mystery and even foreboding as in Close Encounters. Luke is very good with language and creates a sense of awe and wonder suitable to a meeting with God. The narrative also takes place in a timeless dimension where past present and future all combine. For example, the events in Jerusalem, which has still to take place as we move towards the culmination of Lent in a few weeks' time, are talked about with Moses and Elijah. This is preparing Peter, James and John for the passion of Christ. Peter suddenly is excited and enthusiastic and wants to make dwellings for everyone. He's a traditional Jew brought up on the stories of these two powerful men from the Old Testament as the chosen ones to be obeyed. Later, Peter still has some difficulty with Gentile Christians, wondering if they should follow Jewish customs first. Luke is writing firstly for these Gentile Christians and emphasising that Jesus is the new covenant. He is the one to listen to because of the great event that was to unfold in Jerusalem. Jesus is the chosen one. Luke gives us a glimpse of the risen Christ in the middle of his account of the humanity of Jesus going about his daily life on earth. Remember, Luke knows the whole story. Seeing the divine in Jesus is known as transcendence. And Luke has a wonderful phrase, brilliant as lightning. Seeing this is unnerving for the Apostles, particularly bringing out the sense of majesty as the light is reflected in Moses and Elijah. The last time Moses bathed in such light, he was in the presence of God. And this is what Luke is implying for his readers. The Transfiguration is a momentary revelation of the reality of Jesus, the fulfilment of the Law and the Prophets, the true greatness of this can overwhelm and frighten us. There are times in our lives when we experience the human side of Jesus with warmth and closeness, as though we were with him on his journey in Galilee. Then sometimes the realisation of the power in the risen Christ can fill us with such reverence and awe, fear of the Lord. The mystery of the relationship between God and humanity and the true nature of Jesus is only seen dimly. But St Paul says, the time will come when we will see clearly. In the shadowlands of this present time, we can confidently call our Father, Abba, and hope that in the silence of prayer, taught to us by Jesus, we may, for a millisecond, glimpse the true glory of God in the dazzling brilliance of heaven. Singing in the valleys Shouted from the mountain tops Jesus came to save us and his saving never stops He is King of Kings 
Solanus would urge people who couldn't get to Mass or receive communion to ask Jesus to come spiritually into their hearts. He himself did this throughout the day, even when he did celebrate Mass and receive communion. A friend of his heard him speak so often about spiritual communion that he asked him one day, how to actually go about doing it. Solanus told him, This is what I say. 
Lord, please come to me in spiritual communion. Send your body and blood gushing through my veins. Send your love into my heart, my soul, my mind. Lift me up to your bosom and infuse me with your divine love. Amen. This prayer must have been on Blessed Solanus's lips thousands of times. For our mindfulness meditation, find a comfortable position. Sitting attentively, be aware of your surroundings. Feel awake and breathe in and out. Focus on your breath. Each in-breath. And each out-breath. If the mind wanders, it's not a problem. Return to your breath and anchor yourself in the present moment and begin again. As you breathe in, feel the life of God's presence within you. As you breathe out, let go of all your fears. The Chosen One is with you, friend, a comforter. Use this stretch of silence to carry on being at peace. Breathe in, breathe out.
spirit come down Let the spirit come down on me And change my life around Let the spirit come down Let the spirit come down Let the spirit come down on me And change my life around Let the spirit